episode 348, Loki, season one, episode three, Lamentus. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. It's me, Ben, Ben Avery, here with uh, Agent Samantha. Hello. And we're here to talk about Lamentus. The episode about Loki sitting at a table and talking with people <laughs> again. <laughs> it's just, uh, hey, if, if a thing works, you know, use it, right? Yeah. A little bit more to it than that, but there was definitely a lot of table conversations. So, Well, that and walking and talking conversations. A lot. Actually, yeah, this was a lot like a Lord of the Rings in that regard, where there's just a lot of, hey, we got to get from point A to point B. We need to show them traveling and we need things to happen while they're doing it. What's nice about it, though, is that it's not just stuff. It's character stuff, like all the stuff yeah. that we're talking about. The same with last episode, as much as I was making fun of the whole sitting at tables uh, talking. Uh, like I said last time, Owen Wilson, Tom Hiddleston, I love their voices and I could listen to them. Maybe not read a t uh, phone book, but a dictionary, you know where they're actually just giving information that's very boring, they would make it very not boring. And same was here. We were discovering things about uh, Lady Loki, who we don't have to call her that anymore, which is nice. And we were finding out things about the TVA. And this one, there's a lot of exposition going on in the midst of a, a road trip. A road trip during an apocalypse. Yeah, without any roads. <laughs> So, yes. Okay. So maybe road trip is the wrong uh, words, but uh, yeah, lots of walking on paths and taking trains and stuff. So perilous hike. Yeah, that'll work. There you go. <laughs> perilous hike. It sounds like a, a low rent TV version of uh, a Hobbit chapter, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Perilous yeah. hike. I like it. I thought for this episode that we could start with listener feedback. And those would launch some conversational items from episodes that we hadn't talked about and also potentially launch some topics for us to talk about in this episode. And one of these items is actually going to be our post credit. And that is the item that was sent to us by Nathan Marchand, who does the podcast uh, Monster Island Film Vault, which uh, I've guested on a couple times to talk about King Kong and Godzilla, but he sent us the link that has been going around the internet, and his comment was, did y'all hear about this? And the answer to your comment, Nathan, is yes, we did, and we're going to talk about it in post-credit. The article he sent us was, WandaVision changed its post-credits scene, may have added Doctor Strange. Now, we'll talk about it in the post-credit, but... uh I have thoughts. <laughs> yeah. I I also have thoughts because, you know, sometimes there's wishful thinking and, and there's that. Uh, we're waiting, right? We're, we're going to talk about post-credit, right? Right. All right. So we now have some actual uh, feedback with episode thoughts. And first we have uh, Agent Dylan. And Agent Dylan brings up some interesting things that came out of my own research as well about Marvel and about Lady Loki, who we no longer have to call Lady Loki. So Agent Dylan writes, subject line, Loki 102, the variant. Agents just wanted to get this out there before 103 drops. And I'm writing, and, and I'm writing this as I listen to your episode for 102. Yes, Stuart, gender fluid would be the correct terminology for referring to Loki. They identify as such in the comics. And a quick glimpse at this Loki's TVA form indicates the same to be true here. Although on the form, the space that says fluid is labeled as his sex. I'm just going to excuse that as a reference to verbiage that similar forms in our world use. Anyway, one thing I noticed about this show's Lady Loki does not look quite like her comment, comics counterpart. In the comics, Loki Laf Lafoy's daughter resembles Sif, as she originally came about from Loki's spirit possessing her. 
Now, sure, uh, Jamie's schedule was probably busy, what with Love and Thunder being made around the same time and all, but that's not all. Her crown is pretty distinct. Now, this crown is straight from the comics. Now, long story short, there's this version of Loki called Icol, which is an offshoot of Loki. Uh, but I wanted to highlight one thing from their origin, Emphasis Mine, before dying at the hands of the Void during the siege on Asgard. The trickster god Loki laid schemes to break free from the chains of destiny, manipulating Hela into taking his name out of the Book of Hell, allowing himself to be reborn instead of truly dying and return as a completely new Loki, free of the weight of his past. That new Loki is Kid Loki. Anyway, that crown up there is from the form known as Icol. All that being said, here's what I think the woman I'm calling Icol, Lothi's daughter, or Lady Icol, is doing. She's trying to destroy fate itself, give people free will back from the timekeepers, and by extension, destroying the TVA. She's saying, screw destiny. And the destruction of the TVA would potentially free up any time travel contradictions that we have seen in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Endgame, and another show you haven't finished, so I'm not naming it, but it really contradicted the other two, all roughly within the same span of time, too. But contradictions in time travel mechanics are standard, not only for comics, but any time travel media, especially Doctor Who. So you know what I say? Time travel mechanics can be whatever the story needs them to be at any given time. Agent Dylan signing off. Hashtag. Oh, you ready? Here comes some hashtags. Yes. A little blast from the past. Hashtag trip lives. Trip lives. <laughs> New one. Hashtag Carly lives. Hashtag it's still all connected. Hashtag wow. That last one should be read in Owen Wilson's voice. So just imagine that I did Owen Wilson's voice amazingly. P.S. There is a miniseries going on right now called Thor and Loki Double Trouble. Three of the issues are already out and the fourth is on the way. At the beginning, it's about Thor Orden's son and Loki Lothi's son. Then the female version of Thor shows up, whose identity I will not reveal because it sure looks like it will come up in Love and Thunder. And now Loki Lothis Sauter is not just double trouble, it's double double trouble. How about that? It might make a good post-credits once issue four comes out. P.P.S. The appearance of Oshkosh, Wisconsin reminded me of the amazing show Infinity Train, which is a show I highly recommend. My recommended viewing order for the seasons, it's an anthology, is one, four, two, and three. P.P.P.S. Jennifer Saunders' cover of Holding Out for a Hero is the best part of the entire Shrek franchise. So going back to his theories about uh, who he was calling Icol, um, and that crown is, it's the crown with one horn on the right side and then a broken horn on the left side. Um, one of the things I noticed in this episode, and I think Agent Dillon's going to talk about it in the next uh, piece of, of feedback we have as well from him, is they kept saying the word enchanted enchanted she's enchanted someone what that got me on was this thought that the enchantress in marvel comics wears green and yeah. turns out there are two enchantresses in marvel comics one of them is the enchantress who's around because she's in the beginning of the thor storylines and stuff like that the other one comes later and was created by Loki. And her name was the Enchantress, but her name that was given to her as a person was Sylvie. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. And so I think they're kind of doing a mix of characters here. But here's the other really cool thing about this. I haven't read these comics. Okay, so this is something that I, I researched. This is not like... I'm pulling out of my massive library of comic book knowledge. You know, I'm, I'm Googling just like everybody else right now too, but um, she was involved with the young Avengers. Now the young Avengers include twins who are sons of Scarlet witch and vision and includes, um, Oh, is it Isaiah Bradley or was it? Well, it was the Bradley grandson whose grandfather was, uh, Captain America, that we met him in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And now we see someone here also connected to that young Avengers thing that was going on in the comics. And that is uh, this Sylvie character. So as much as I was kind of not surprised to see that the reveal of the variant was that she was female that was supposed to be a big shock at the end of that second episode. And it, it was a shock, you know, it was like, oh, yeah, wow, that's cool. But it, it wasn't the huge shock, you know, for some people. 
Um, my big shock is that she actually has these ties to these other characters and the name Sylvie being a, a big, a big part of that. So hmm. agent Dylan also writes in about Loki one Oh three lamentus agents. I hope I got this in on time. So there seems to be some composite charactering going on here. Looks like we're also getting a version of Sylvie Lushton and a, ver- a version of the enchantress, but here's the interesting part. Her origin, as written on Marvel Database Wiki, emphasis mine, Sylvie Lushton was just an average girl living in Broxton until the Asgardians moved their home of Asgard to Oklahoma. Not long after that, Sylvie woke up one day with magical powers. Unbeknownst to Sylvie, these powers were given to her by Loki for as yet unknown purposes. With her new powers, Sylvie moved to New York City to become a superhero and join the Avengers. She chose to take on the name and style of Amara, the Enchantress, and speaking in a faux Asgardian manner. So... Is it possible that Sylvie, let's just say Lars' daughter, was an average girl from Tonsberg until the Asgardians moved their home of Asgard to Norway? Not long after that, Sylvie woke up one day with magical powers. Unbeknownst to Sylvie, these powers were given to her by the spirit of the recently deceased Loki. With her new powers, Sylvie went on a journey to disrupt the timeline and dismantle the Time Variance Authority. She took on the name and style of the trickster god and speaking in a faux English accent. We could even take things a tad farther. What if her father, who I'm calling Lars in this scenario, ended up a variant somehow? What if he became a TVA agent? What if in becoming a TVA agent, he was given a false accent of his own, an American one even, perhaps Texan? Wow. And again, imagine I said that perfect Owen Wilson right there. <laughs> that would be something. And <laughs> even if her father's not Mobius, I still think the new uh, the new Asgard aspect of her comics origin is significant. Also, it would kind of explain her significantly different backstory. No mom knew she was adopted, self-taught, assuming it's not just that she came from such a far back branch. Agent Dylan signing off. Hashtag trip lives. Hashtag Carly lives. Hashtag screw destiny. Hashtag it's all connected. Hashtag post Jarvis world. Hashtag. Wow. <laughs> so that is Agent Dylan writing in for us. Do you want me to edit in actually a clip of Owen Wil- Wilson saying "Wow"? <laughs> no, no, that's okay. We don't we don't need to do okay. that. No, we'll just let people use their imaginations. Th- and I'm just asking you, people, <laughs> in your imagination. Uh, I'm doing a perfect Owen Wilson. Like it's amazing. Like you and you are sitting in your seat right now, listening and saying. Wow. To me, um, because your imagination has done such a great job of, of making up for my lack of being good at it. So I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing because you spoke exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my. So, uh, we have one more piece of feedback, but was there anything with this one you wanted to talk about? I, I think agent Dylan defined, um, a possibility for Sylvie because um, I have notes, a lot of notes about Sylvie, but who she really is, is not yet defined, but she definitely lived a very different life from Loki. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one of the things, remember I had questions about like, where are these Lokis coming from? You know, the whole point of the TVA that they say is the whole point is to keep the sacred timeline from having variances come out and, and create a multiverse. So where are these variants coming from? If there is no multiverse, there's only one version of every character, right? Of every person. And when they break off, they get pulled back in and they either get destroyed or they go back in and, and have their, their memory wiped or whatever it might be. But they've opened up some really interesting possibilities in this episode as Sylvie explains some time variance authority stuff to us, the audience and to Loki. I mean, this, this road trip episode has lots of character, lots of action, lots of adventure, and really in some ways is meant to hide lots of exposition and, and make it so it's a lot more fun to get through because if it's just talky talky, it's not necessarily fun, fun, but if it's talky talky with fun, then it's it's all fun all around, right? Yeah. So, something like that. <laughs> we have uh, feedback from what I believe, if if it's not a first-time feedbacker, then it is um, someone who hasn't sent in feedback for a little while, and that is from Agent Herb. 
And the subject line is just Loki. And his his message says, hello, isn't Ravona Kang the Conqueror's love? I'm pretty sure that's the case in Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes cartoon. Uh, Samantha, are you familiar with Kang? Isn't he an upcoming villain? Yes. Yes, he is. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I believe he was cast to be in the upcoming Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania or something like that. I can't remember exactly the title on that. But yes, Kang the Conqueror is a, t- a time-traveling villain who comes from the future. And you know, a lot of his plans are to change things you know, and destroy the Avengers or whatever it might be before they become a problem. So this is a character that I want to study and research a little bit more to find out more about her. Um, it looks like though she was created in the sixties. And so like, this is a, a character that has a lot of history in the comic books. And you know what, honestly, here's, here's my thing. When she showed up in this show as one of the judges uh, or as the judge, I guess she's the only one we've seen. I didn't even think, Hey, I should, I should Google Ravona Marvel. I didn't even cross my mind. I just figured created for the show, you know, and uh, no, I mean, she has ties into this time traveling supervillain who we're going to be meeting potentially in the MCU. So this is an important character one way or another. Everything is connected. It is all connected. And yeah. It's all connected in a much different way these days. So. Yeah. I mean, because there's so much discussion, and especially in the titles of of the upcoming movies, about multiple universes. So I'm wondering if – I'm thinking that this Loki series is going to be more important than we may have thought before. I'm looking at these shows now, the way that these last two shows – have just given us new things that's happening and can kind of set up some new, new characters, new, um, if not characters themselves, like Scarlet, Witch, she's in a new status quo. And, uh, vision is a new character. Now, if we see vision again, it's going to be a, that brand new ship of Theseus vision. Yes. You know, we've got John Walker coming around. We've got, New Captain America. Yeah, exactly. This is what they're doing with Disney Plus, but they're doing it in such a way that I don't know how it's going to all work out. I trust them that they're going to work it out well. I don't know how it's all going to work out, but they're doing it in such a way that you don't necessarily have to watch these to watch the movies. And I'm I'm still loving this series, though. I In my notes, I keep referring to Loki as the Loki variant because he's not the Loki who died at the hands of Thanos. He's the Loki that just barely escaped the hands of the Avengers from the first Avengers movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, and everything that happens in this show kind of pushes us a little bit further from the possibility of him getting restored to the timeline. And, and I'm curious what's going to happen with that. How is that going to work? What does that do to the timeline itself? Guess we'll see. Right. Because when Frega passed away, that's really sort of the beginning point of from when Loki moved from a villain into semi-hero status and not experiencing that, not ex- experiencing his father dying in, in Ragnarok. He's just a very different person at this point. And, be- and because he's been pulled out of his own timeline, he's experiencing new things. So things are different for him at this point. Yeah, yeah, we definitely have a different character, and I would really appreciate it if they don't just mind wipe him and, and reset everything. But okay, so speaking of resetting, though, again, we're, we, we're, we've got the sacred timeline here, right? And on the sacred timeline, things happen in a certain way. They're supposed to happen in a certain way. And the time travel stuff the Avengers did was allowed to happen because it was supposed to happen and, you know, whatever. But the idea that the TVA was set up and these are just people who have just lived here for eternity or have just always been there for their entire lifetime. And they're set aside and set, set away from our real world to do this important, important job that Mobius totally believes in. What's interesting is Sylvie said that all of the TVA agents 
are variants themselves. Yes. So C20, who we open up the episode and C20 is sitting there with her best friend and they're having drinks and they're best friends, but something's wrong. And we know exactly what's wrong because we watched last episode. C20 doesn't. And to watch things just dawn on her as, as things are happening. And, uh, but she, she says, first of all, that those are memories that C20 had from earth. And then says they're also from hundreds of years ago. Yeah. So, so this is is definitely an episode that changes everything because not only are these people variants, but we have an idea that these people are existing in the timeline somewhere. They're not outside the timeline. I'm wondering, like, are we looking at something where we're seeing the TVA, they pull all these variants into the TVA and, you know, they've been, they've been around, you know, moving backwards or whatever, but they've been around for centuries because they were pulled out of their time and then plucked in and, and put into place and have been doing the job for hundreds of years. Well, Stuart said that there's a lot of 1990s memorabilia around, yes. like the ski stuff and the drinks and uh, or the canned sodas. And I want to talk about that because it fits into my theory a little bit. So I'm thinking maybe the TVA was created in the 90s, but these people have been sort of living in the same existence uh, that does not change for hundreds of years. So my speculation... Because the the exact the exact phrase that Stuart used was the TVA seems to be stuck in the nineties. My speculation is that the TVA is not stuck in the nineties, but Mobius is. Mobius is drinking that drink from the nineties because that was his favorite drink from the nineties, just like uh, Stuart's friend. <laughs> um, Wasn't someone else drinking uh, um, that same drink? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. So he may not be the only one from the, from the nineties. No, no. And, and, but they're all variants from different places. And so the question is, how does this all work? And this is where I'm excited to find out about like, how does this society work? This is world building, you know, this is science fiction world building. And it's so much fun to be able to, um, well, speculate here and imagine as we're watching the episodes, like what's going on? What, what is this from? What, where, where is it all going? It's so much fun to create this stuff, you know, on your own too. Like as you're, you're, whether you're writing a a book or a comic or a a role-playing game scenario, it's just so much fun to do this kind of world building, but they have to populate this place somehow, you know? And the impression that I had was just, Sometime in the distant past, they grabbed, you know, 48 people, I think is what I was saying when I was trying to figure out the genetic um, differences you needed to have in order to have a a society. You know, what's the smallest number of people Mm -hmm. you can use? But if they're just taking variants, you know, they put them through the whole checkout process. And was that uh, that hedge fund dude in episode one? He's a variant. He was zapped. He disappeared. Okay. Is he dead or is he just going into processing? And now he's going to be a, an agent. Um, it's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just brings up so many possibilities. Though my, I'm wondering now is Mobius M Mobius, just a variant of the MCU's version of Owen Wilson. <laughs> It's possible. That would that would explain quite a bit. <laughs> no, I, because if I recall correctly, I think um, Owen Wilson really got a start um, as um, a, a more major celebrity in the late 90s, wasn't it? I really couldn't tell you. Yeah. But, I mean, so Mobius and Mobius, he's a variant. Somehow... And this is if Sylvie is right, you know, so we're taking her at her word. It is still possible that she's either lying or she's misinformed. I'm going to assume that she's neither. I I don't think that they're going to do that. Um, 
but she is a trickster. <laughs> so it could be, mm. uh, but you've got Mobius feels like some point in the past in the nineties, dude gets a time machine becomes a variant gets taken memory wiped, but they can't wipe away, you know, things he likes. They can't wipe away trace memories. You know, C20 had these memories of, of going out for drinks with her friend. That bar was a real place and a real time. And yeah, Mobius was a jet skiing maniac in the day or something, you know, like maybe he didn't build this time machine out of DeLorean. Maybe he built it out of a, a jet ski. I don't know, but that's my guess using Stuart Stewart's verbiage. Um, Mobius stuck in the nineties. That's just his mindset. Um, this actually reminds me of a real case of a man, I believe in great Britain who he, I, f I don't know. I forget how he lost his long-term memory, but he no longer has the ability to create long-term memories. Um, in a way that we usually do. So it's like every 15 or 30 seconds, his memory is being refreshed and everything is brand new to him. And he has a journal where he consistently writes, I feel like I'm just waking up uh, from a dream. Um, but um, as the years have gone, and he now lives in an institution. Um, and as the years have gone on, he can't remember certain things like... Um, what the name is of the doctor who he just saw. But over many, many years, he remembers things like the nine 11 attacks. He remembers that his wife has to drive in from a long distance to see him. Um, just little details like this that have to repeat over and over and over again. Um, so, I mean, I, I feel like in a way, maybe the, the people who work for the TVA are sort of like this where their minds have been wiped and they can't remember, but it's just over time, those little things of their personality are sort of seeping through in ways that are maybe not dangerous to their jobs or really interfere with their jobs. Because if they started, if these little details started interfering with their jobs, they'd have to have their minds wipe again. Or maybe they have been consistently wiped over and over and over again, and they just don't know it. Yeah. But, I, so here's the other thing this reminds me of. And that's WandaVision. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, yeah. it's, it's not the exact same thing, but it seems very similar where you have this group of people who have had their minds wired to accept a reality of a world that they're now in this case, they aren't pushing against it. That's, that's the big difference. Makes me wonder what's going to happen when they find out what's going on. And when, you know, when there are, when they are set free by the truth or whatever, um, you know, for someone like Mobius, who's just, I believe in this job. I believe in the mission. You know, maybe it's some, something that he's just going to turn around and say, so I'm going to stick with it, you know, <laughs> and I'm going to protect the time stream and protect it from uh, whatever outside forces are trying to, you know, corrupt time. Who knows? Hmm. Okay. Well, just going to have to wait and see what the answer is. Yeah. They are definitely setting up yeah. something cool. And I mean, all we can do is speculate. Yeah. So what else is going on in this episode? Well, there's the uh, apocalypse, but how do they get to the apocalypse? Sylvie Lucky. wants to, yeah, well, that, yeah. <laughs> Sylvie wants to get to the timekeepers. And in order to do so, she's in C20's mind and C20 finally mentions golden doors. So at the end of last episode, when they step through the time portal, they find themselves back at the TVA. Surprise, big surprise. And then Sylvie just fights her way through to get to this beautiful golden elevator. <laughs> and, uh, but that's when things go bad. Ravona shows up and they can't go through the elevator door. And instead they use the, uh, the temp pad, travel through time. 
and space and end up on Lamentus One in the year 2077. It's another uh, Armageddon event. And it becomes a road trip to get to the Ark to be saved from the destruction of the planet. And that does not go as planned. So that's the that's the majority of the action of this episode. The plot of this episode that's taking us from point A to point B where we find out the stuff that we've been speculating about. I just keep wondering, how are they going to get out of this? And my mind keeps going to maybe somebody from the TVA is going to pop in and grab them before the planet explodes. Yeah, I really thought it was going to happen in this episode that Mobius was going to show up because he's like looking for an Armageddon event. Like if, if they're, right. you know, and, and I, I really, I think that's going to happen in episode four, beginning of episode four, probably Mobius shows up. I knew you'd be here. You're under arrest or whatever it might be. Yeah. And then of course they give in because it's their only way off the planet. Of course. But of course yeah. they're going to um, you know, try and escape. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I, I was just thinking that still, I mean, having the episode land on end on the shuttles like way off the shuttles way off in the distance and it explodes and there's no other way off the planet. I mean, that's a great cliffhanger moment. It is. It is. And of course the cliffhanger is not, will they get away? The cliffhanger is how will they get away? Right. And yeah, we'll see. I mean, we've got three more episodes. This is the halfway point right here. And, uh, I've actually been seeing comments about how the viewership for this episode dropped way off. And I've seen people on, on Facebook in my Facebook feed saying things like, man, this is really hard to watch. This is hard to get through. It's so slow. And well, and then they're saying, well, maybe it'll be like WandaVision. It'll pick up in a couple episodes. I can kind of see what they're saying. I cannot agree with what they're saying, <laughs> but I can kind of see. I, yeah, it yeah, I didn't. I mean, there. It's it's most of this episode is two characters on a road trip, but we also learn a lot about Sylvie and about the TVA. I mean, it's it's very much an exposition. I mean, it's literally an episode to get from uh, episode two to episode four, but we also have all of this information in the middle of all of that about. Sylvie and you know what drives her um and it's clearly not to take over and be a queen <laughs> it's just to survive whereas Loki is just he wants to be king of Asgard although king I think of he, something yeah I think he's um expanded that a little bit though I think that some of what uh Mobius was saying maybe has gotten by or gotten into his head yeah and and you know, he wants to know where are the timekeepers. Well, what what would motivate him to want to find the timekeepers? Possibly take over from them? You know, whatever it might be. We don't know yet, but we'll we'll be finding out. Well, it would be his MO if he wants to take over. <laughs> Here's the thing though, okay? And the, and and I get this. We, I can understand why people are saying what they're saying. If you don't like Chris Farley and David Spade, <laughs> then you're not going to want to spend time with them on their road trip in Tommy boy. You know, <laughs> if you don't like, um, Fred Savage, then you're not going to like his road trip with his video game playing little brother in the wizard. Uh, you know, if you don't like, um, uh, Charles Grodin and Robert De Niro, then you're not going to enjoy midnight run. You know, it's just, you're not going to like it. Why? Because you're spending so much time with these people and so much of the enjoyment of the movie hinges on their personality and hinges on the things that are happening beyond just the events of what's going on. So when everything goes wrong for Tommy boy and they end up in that hotel room and he's singing fat guy in a little coat, you know, um, <laughs> you're either laughing or you're turning it off. Do you like the characters? Then you'll like their antics. Do you not like the characters? Then 
Yeah. And that's what's going to have to grab you in an episode like this. The action in this episode, while well shot, I didn't really care about too much because I know they're going to escape one way or another. You know, that said, when they first speak to that uh, frontiers woman, <laughs> the, the miner's wife or whatever, um, that was a great scene. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was interesting. You're not sure where it's going. Um, and the biggest thing they could do at the end of this episode where you're, cause you know, they're going to escape. Well, they created the biggest, how are they going to escape that they possibly could by destroying the Ark? And it's not a matter of the Ark didn't make it because of incompetence. It's a matter of the Ark didn't make it because as it's literally lifting off, a, a giant rock slams into it and destroys it. Yeah. So they're actually lucky that they weren't on the rocket. Yeah. Because yeah. would they have, I, I don't think they really would have survived if they actually got to it. Well, I mean, as much as Loki says that he's a God, there's, he can die, you know, and, and that yeah. stake is there for us. We know Loki can die because we've seen it happen. He was killed at the hands of a being that's more powerful than him so because of that we know he can die and if this planet explodes he's done he's he's not thor he's not invincible and invulnerable he's close but he's scared of explosions you know the gun that the lady had in her little shed hurt him and the same with with sylvie yeah he's just it's just his resilience is heat up way high. That's all. Um, though that scene with the frontiers woman, he has a, a really interesting line. Brute force is no substitute for diplomacy and guile. And, yeah. and I've noticed that in, in television and cinema over the past 10, 15 years, you see a lot of switching of traditional gender roles in movies and television. And in this episode especially probably over the course of the entire series we see that loki is the one who is being the one who goes for diplomacy and guile where sylvie goes in with you know sword drawn and ready for a hand-to-hand -hand combat but if you think about what 20 25 years ago it would have been the man who's doing brute force and the woman who's who's maybe thinking more dip diplomatically and more with guile yeah, although she is still the one who makes a plan <laughs> and right. he comes with an idea and follows through on the idea. But uh, what is it? You know, um, dressing up as a guard is just doing a thing. It's not a plan. <laughs> and, <laughs> and she wants to have a plan with steps, you know, to, to do it. And um, and the, but that's where it's interesting to see, like, how are these variants so different from each other? Uh I believe, I, I, I do believe that what they presented us with, that Sylvie at one time was Loki and, and had Loki's body and, and that she's taken it and, and become what she wants to be. But, um, so what's, what caused the difference, you know, what caused him to be this way and her to be that way. And for, uh, you know, the, the, the giant strong Loki to be like that. And how do these variants work and how do we get these again? I think this show is going to end up just defining multiverse for us so that when we step into the multiverse of madness, it's been defined for us already in this TV show. Although hopefully, hopefully it's still understandable for, by your regular movie going audience. Yeah, I think so. I think that's what we're going, going to see, too. In my notes under the brute force is no substitute for diplomacy and guile quote, the next question I have is, if Loki was a villain in a Disney classic animated movie, who would he be? Jafar? Jafar. I could see him playing Actually, Jafar. Let's put it this way. I could see Tom Hiddleston playing an incredible evil oh, Jafar. Oh, man, why didn't they cast him as Jafar in the... Oh, man. Now I wish they had cast him as Jafar in the live-action Aladdin. Because, the unfortunately, the the guy playing the, uh, Jafar in that 
version was the weak point of the movie. And really, in any movie, you need you need to have a really strong personality as the villain. And it just didn't work for some reason. And yeah, Tom Hiddleston would have made a great Jafar. But what I wrote down just instinctively without really thinking it through was Scar, Ursula, and Hades. And then I got to thinking about it. And these are all siblings of the hero's um, parents who want to take over the kingdom or whatever realm. And Loki is the brother of mm-hmm. the guy who's going to inherit as the Asgardian throne. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a classic, not just a trope, but that's also a, a thing in history, you know, where, um, Oh yeah. You know, you have wars getting fought over which cousin is closer to the, the Royal line. Um, which is fascinating to just see yeah, how the war of the roses. Yeah. Yeah. But just to see how, uh, insignificant life is other people's lives are, I should say to these high up, uh, personalities and forces. And that reminds me of a quote from one of the game of throne books. I cannot remember which one it is, but, and I'm not sure if it ended up in this, in the TV series because I really didn't watch the entire series, but, um, the quote was something along about somebody's uh, one of the great kings or queen or somebody saying, you know, my my subjects, they they pray that, you know, I will be successful in this battle. And then somebody says to him, they don't pray about that. What they're praying for is to survive another day. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I mean, is Sylvie, you know, is she a nice giant? Um, I find it interesting that all of the Lokis seem to not have that blue skin tone. Um, Yeah. So, and then this also led me down the path of who is Loki's biological mother? And the answer I found is it's unknown. That's a, that's a story in his back. That's something in his backstory that's never been explored is who is his biological mother. Maybe he doesn't have one. I mean, maybe, maybe ice giants just reproduce asexually or something. And yeah, hmm. it's, it's possible. Maybe. I mean, they're magical fairy creatures, so I mean, it could be anything. Yeah. But it also crossed my mind that doing this research, it, that Loki was considered to be very small and puny for an ice giant and that his skin could turn from, um, blue to a pinkish color at will. So I'm thinking maybe he was a half giant Mm. and his mother was human or maybe as guardian or humanoid for sure. Yeah. I I hate to say this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. I mean, what if his mother really was Frigga? I wondered that I really did because he takes it after her so much. I mean, that creates a, creates a really interesting dynamic. Um, the fact that it was, you know, information held from him. Um, the fact that Odin, you know, the story we get is that Odin found him and took him and, and adopted him into his home without telling him what his background was. Right. But what if the backstory is found him as a baby, but yeah. What if he actually went in to rescue her after several years and it turns out that she had a child with uh, Laufey? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it could that be. that would be. I mean, there, and there's two scenarios there. One is that he's a child that came about by force. And one is that he's a child that came about by an affair. And yeah, I don't know. There's some hmm. dark backstory going on there if if that's the direction that it ends up being. But um, but I also like that Frigga could possibly be his actual biological mother. And and then that turns Loki from being the adopted brother into the adopted half-brother. Yeah, and see, there's there's some interesting storytelling points you can get out of that. But I actually do like the idea yeah. that Odin <laughs> kidnapped this child, <laughs> but accepted him into his home uh, 
as his own child, you know, and, and loved him as his own child. Like that's adoption, you know, is, is such a powerful thing. And it's especially powerful when people are adopting with the right motives, you know, and, and mm-hmm. uh, I know, that, you know, there's, there's a few different wrong motives you can have, but when the majority of, of people who adopt, they adopt with the right motives. They adopt because they want to have a child who's they can love. And a lot of times it's finding children who wouldn't be loved that are going to be now in a family where they will get the love that they, they need. And it's a powerful, powerful thing because you're taking a child who is not your blood, but you are loving that child and as if they were, you know, and it's also one of the things that's fascinating about it is, you know, I didn't choose any of my kids. I just got lucky (laughs) that they're good and that they're amazing, you know, but when you adopt, like you've chosen that child, that child was chosen to be in your family. And there's another, there's a really interesting and very special layer to it that is different than if you're going to say there's a difference between an adopted child and a naturally born child, it's, it's that the adopted child was chosen purposefully and yes. And not just like I, like my children randomly. (laughs) So, yeah. And especially if you like, I have friends who fostered to adopt. That's a process because these children were, were older and, they had to, and there was a social worker that had to make sure that the personalities matched right and that everyone got along well enough that they could function as a family. And there's this whole process of all sorts of levels that they had to go through. Well, and even beyond that is the whole process of um, you're opening yourself emotionally to this child and doing so with the with the risk that the child might be taken and and put back with, you know, the birth parents or with right. grandparents, you know, and, and, you know, you, you do so with the knowledge that, okay, this might, this might not happen. Yeah. And with my friends who fostered to adopt, I, I still don't know the whole story because of the pandemic and I haven't been able to actually go see them yet. But, um, I got the impression that these kids did not, something happened obviously. And, but uh, during the pandemic, my friends did adopt, fully adopt these children. They are legally theirs. They cannot be taken back. Um, and, but from what I've, I understand in the details is that something really terrible happened. And of course, I mean, you can't get into the foster system without something really terrible. Right. Happening. Right. That's, that's it. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, by the end of the, of Odin's life, we see him and, and, you know, it's genuine, you know, you, you see his reactions and you see him talking to his, his, uh, to Thor and Loki. And now Odin does not deserve father of the year, probably for any of the years of his life. Okay. <laughs> Cause he, he made a lot of no, terrible mistakes. And, yeah. No. And, and yeah, yeah it, not a great father, not a great example for fatherhood, <laughs> but, um, but there is some touching say, pieces to his story. Yeah, I mean, I will say that there are great swaths where he learned from his past, but still, he's not a great father. No. He's not the perfect father. Uh, all right, so what else is going on? We get the train thing. Um, we get them doing their plans. We get them, you know, bouncing off each other. We get him singing um, while he's drunk. We get the, them talking about jokey. love is... Like a dagger. <laughs> Jokey. Yeah. Loki so. performed a Jedi mind trick on a guard when they were trying to get onto the train. Essentially, that's what he did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, you know, um, Sylvie's power, it they define it. You know, she's able mm-hmm. to control someone else while controlling her own body. And so she she's able to make them do what she needs them to do while she's doing what she needs to do like setting up the bombs and stuff like that. And uh, that's, that's interesting to see, you know, how, again, they're diverging from each other. She can, in a fit of anger, blast a wave of energy that may become useful later. Because there's a moment where she screams and then this, it's like this energy comes out of her and affects the environment immediately around her. 
think that happened after they got off the train. There's lots of things that she deserves to be angry about. I mean, Loki. Yeah. Loki was kind of a force of chaos in this one. And just he caused a lot more trouble than he needed to. And I kept waiting for it to be like all part of the plan. You know, like he broke the temp ad. But it's all part mm-hmm. of the plan or it was an illusion that was broken. I kept waiting for that to happen. But no, he just got thrown off the train because he stopped wearing his costume. And they, again, waiting for it to all be part of the plan. Nope, it's not all part of the plan. <laughs> He's thrown out. They they uh, they catch on to his ruse. And, and then she has to go after him because he has a temp ad. And... Yeah, no, he's just making some really poor decisions and we're really getting, uh, he's a, he's a screw up, man. You know, (laughs) he's a screw up. And I will say drunk Loki is very Asgardian. I mean, he's drinking, he's singing songs. He's got a great voice and he he's throws the glass down. He throws the glass. I mean, he, I mean, the more drunk he is, the more Asgardian he is. It's (laughs) So, I mean, it's obvious that there were times growing up where he loved his life on Asgard, despite being, you know, the quote-unquote second-born. Yeah. Yeah, it just, again, like I said, I was waiting for it to be all part of the plan or for he he was tricking her or or something. And and that still may happen. You know, it still may happen where uh, he pulls out the temp ad because he finds a different power source or something like that, but yeah, or maybe he pulls it out and it was never broken in the first place and they can use that to contact Mobius. I don't know, (laughs) but yeah, there's just moments where I'm watching it and I'm, I'm with her. Like, I'm just like, what are you doing? (laughs) What is this? Don't you, you, you've got to know better, man. You got to know better. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, on the train, I don't think Sylvie grew up as a princess of Asgard. Yeah, I, I'm she, with you there. Yeah, it's just the tone of her voice when she says something about him. Must have, He must have had plenty of princesses uh, to court or something like that. And, and it's just, it, it's in her voice that Oh, you're just a prince. You don't really, you haven't gone through what I've gone through. Well, and, and I mean, maybe the big divergence in their life story is that she wasn't adopted. I mean, she says hmm. she knows she was adopted, but maybe she wasn't, you know, maybe she, or if she was, it wasn't Odin who did. Hmm. Yeah, it may have been somebody else. Maybe someone else rescued her and and maybe part of the reason why she's taking on this persona and doesn't want to be called Loki is because her life was so different from his that like she doesn't want to be connected to that. She can't help it because at some point there's a divergence, but yeah. Yeah. And then there's also this discussion about what is love? Love is hate. Love is mischief which is really truly a, a form a, a, a bad analogy. Yeah. <laughs> love I, is a weapon. Yeah. All the things that they talk about what is love. I and I've seen like the love is a dagger thing. Like I I've seen that as a poster now and I'm just like, "Ooh." <laughs> uh, I can I get the metaphor there. Love the dagger. It, it hurts, cuts both ways. I, I don't know, but um, a lot of the stuff that they're bringing up is love is mischief. Eh, love is hate. Mm, love. They're they're well, describing some hate, ab- abusive dis- d- d- definitions of love. Yeah, yeah. Uh, love and hate. That's it's love is hate. No, it's not. Love and hate are actually the polar opposites on the scale of passion and the, the true opposite of passion is indifference. So let me say, but yeah, what they're, what they're describing are just lessons you could learn 
possibly poorly from <laughs> really bad dating experiences or really bad relationships. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and in a lot of ways, then that conversation kind of brings out like, okay, what is their experiences? And, um, yeah. How have they, I think been wounded by, mm-hmm. by love or whatever. So, yeah. I mean, the other big thing yeah. that comes out of this conversation then is, is like you had mentioned the line about the princess princesses. Um, and so this is the, the big confirmation that I, I think it's the first time on screen it's confirmed, but I'm pretty sure this is something that has been a, a fan headcanon thing for a long time with a lot of people of Loki's sexuality. Yeah, I mean, I can see it too. I mean, Loki, he's the the god of mischief. He could make himself into any figure that he wants. I mean... That's one of the reasons, I think, though, that a lot of people look up to him, even when he was a villain. You know, even when he was literally acting like a Nazi in Germany. Yeah. um, That people were looking up to him because he is a character who just defines himself. And I am who I want to be. I am who I'm going to be. Um, Unfortunately... He does so, I think he thinks he's doing so more than he actually is. I think he is still letting other people define who he is. And letting them define, like, you know, well, you're just this. You're just that. And and it's interesting. No one is just a this or just a that. There's always so much more depth to it. And there's always so much more behind it. But then, you know, the question is, how how much grace do you give to someone who's just this or just that. But uh, definitely he is a, a character that kind of defines identity. Like that is his definition. The definition of him as a character is that he can identify and be whatever he wants to be. But still the question is who is Sylvie and what is her backstory? I want to learn more about her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting to me about both of them is with her, I'm so interested in finding out who she was and how she came to be who she is right now. And with him, I'm just really more interested in finding out who he's going to be, you know, and that's kind of the mystery they have set up for both of them. Yeah. Like I said earlier, this is a variant Loki. This is not the Loki that died at the hands of Thanos as a hero or anti-hero or, yeah. or pseudo hero. <laughs> Um, he died somewhat heroically. He did, yeah. <laughs> Whatever he might have been before that moment. Because um, he was still the trickster. He was still lying. He was still about deceit. And and this is why I wasn't excited about a, a series about him. You know, because this is a character who is defining characteristics. Self-imposed defining characteristics are he is all about deceit. He is all about lies and he's all about self and yes. and so i have a real hard time holding him up as a uh a role model and that's where i do have hope for this show you know i have hope for this show that this is going to be something that redefines him even more so than the movies did yeah because i mean before his death he he definitely definitely had this huge character arc wasn't a perfect arc but he he changed dramatically from when when we first met him in the first Thor movie. Well, yeah, I mean, he was the the scorpion, you know, he, mm-hmm. the the story of the scorpion where the frog gets on the scorpion's no, the, the frog lets the scorpion get on his back, and the frog is going to swim across to the other side of the of the river. And when they get in the middle of the river, the scorpion stings the frog, and the frog's like, "Why did you do that? I'm helping you." And the scorpion's like, "I'm a scorpion." what i do it's what i do yeah and and uh loki is loki it's what he does mm-hmm. it's what he does yeah because if i recall correctly i think even in that moment against I, i'd have to go back and watch it because there are so many hours of, of <laughs> the mcu and i can't remember it all anymore uh <laughs> um I think there was a moment where he was starting to suck up to, to Thanos and hopefully try to survive that moment and maybe even uh, take over his role as whatever he is. But, but I think that he was using that, like, that's what you're supposed to think he's doing 
But then yeah. he used that moment to get closer to Thanos and and try to kill Thanos. Ah, okay, yeah. If I'll have, I remember like I said, correctly. I'll have to go back and rewatch it. So yeah. Okay. What other notes do you have? Let's uh let's close this down. Let's see who's look actually I think that's just about all of my notes. Um, a lot of notes about Sylvie, but they can all be summed up in what is her backstory? <laughs> she's vastly different from Loki. That she, she's a survivor. So I think we pretty much covered everything that I have. All right. Well, I think we can close this one down then and uh, talk a little bit about Scarlet Witch in the moment. Okay. So you have any final words? Uh, yes, I'd like to thank 084, Dylan, Herbert, and Nathan who's uh, for their feedback, and we will talk about Nathan's feedback in a moment. Yeah. And then I would also like to give a special shout-out to our Patreon patrons, Jeffrey, Tassel, Blessed Cheesemaker, 084, or 084, and Julie. Thank you all very much. Yeah. And I want to uh, just give some advice to people right now. I know that there are a lot of people who are listening to this podcast and just saying, wow, first of all, amazing Owen Wilson impression. Second of all, just amazing podcast. Like, how do you guys do it? What's your secret? And uh, I'll be giving a TED talk on my secret very soon. But uh, my TED talk's title, The Secret to Amazing Podcasting, is Independence, Authority, Style. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard from us, now we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us voicemail by calling 1-775-5-LEVEL-7. That's 1-775-553-8357. Or send us an email to feedback at welcometolevel7.com. Just don't forget, the 7 is spelled out. You can also go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback and leave us a message there, or join us on our Facebook group, facebook.com slash welcome to level seven. The seven is spelled out. And don't forget, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash welcome to level seven. The seven is spelled out and become a Patreon supporter there. Once again, thanks so much for listening and Godspeed. about the best I can do for right now. <laughs> so. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, All right. So the, the Scarlet, uh, WandaVision. So, okay. Let's. <clears throat> All right. So there's an article going around. Samantha, you've seen it, right? I've skimmed through it and I watched the video that was attached to it. Yeah. And Nathan sent it our way. Um, and Stuart got it somewhere as well. And people are clicking on it. And uh, I, the apparently some of the trees in the post credit are a little more green uh, than they were originally. They've been changed. And also there seems to be some sort of video artifact that <laughs> I'm watching this. And I know that this whole scene was created, you know, this whole mountain thing where they're using CGI. They're bringing it, you know, they're not doing this with a helicopter. <laughs> you know, in Alaska or whatever. Um, but this video artifact wasn't there before. So the question is, did they add this in? And it's this kind of triangly shadow looking thing passing over the trees. Theory is that this is the shadow of Dr. Strange flying to the cabin to meet with Wanda. And <laughs> I just don't know what to think about it. I really don't. Because if if the videos are correct, 
it was added. They changed it to put this in. But and you got to think about all the CGI was also completed during the pandemic. So, I mean, I won't spoil the Mandalorian <laughs> that what happened at the end of season two, but there was some CGI at the end of season two that was not quite as good as it could have been. <laughs> Let me just put it that way. Yeah, and it, that's because of the pandemic and the limitations that the animators had. I'm just reminded of UFO videos. Right. <laughs> Where people see what they want to see, you know, and, and they look at the thing and, and they see, oh, this, this is a UFO. And it's, it's sometimes just a, gl- a glare from the lens, you know, or, or whatever it might be. <laughs> I'm also or, reminded or ice crystal, ice crystals from a cloud that have been picked up by radar or something. Yeah. 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 And, and, but I'm also reminded of, you know, people who will see faces where there's not one there, but they see it like, well, when, when we painted my house to get it ready so we can move and, and sell our house, I painted over a couple things that I didn't realize were, um, little imperfections in the wall that my son saw pictures in. And he was really disappointed because I covered up this, you know, little turtle friend of his, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like a chip of paint, you know, uh, a little divot in the wall that I painted over. And um, so I'm kind of reminded of that where you, people see things that maybe aren't there, but at the same time, there's something there. And then the question is, well, what did they, did they, why would they change it? If it wasn't, I, I don't know. I don't know what to think about it, but it's out there. People are talking about it and until we get something official, we we don't know what it means. Well, to be fair, the trees that they changed were brown and <laughs> looked awful. And then in this newer version, they are more green. So, so uh, <laughs> it, it's possible that they went in to yeah, fix that. Yeah. And then when they fixed it, there was some sort of video artifact. It's possible. Right. It's yeah. possible. You know, some but, just a, I mean, a glitch in code for, I, I don't know. I just won't believe that it's Doctor Strange unless we see something like we saw at the end of the Doctor Strange, the the first movie where it's Doctor Strange talking to Thor in a conversation. And then <laughs> and, and the in Ragnarok, you see the same scene, but you see it sort of like from the other perspective. Well, whatever <laughs> so. it is, they certainly were not giving anybody any actual concrete visual anything. Right. It's it's a shadow. (laughs) Yeah. So, all right. Well, that's that's the post credit then. (laughs) So. All right. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Godspeed. Thank you. Bye.